Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Recorded live. Okay. Welcome to Prayer Warriors Needed because prayer warriors are needed. And um, we have a great night planned. We have our ministry training, our Bible study, whatever you want to call it. God's word together. Button. This conference is being recorded. And um, we're going to start with Psalms 1, because a lot of people are just not feeling well or being electronically tortured. One girl, you know, had a very bad cold. So we, we bind up that spirit of infirmity, bind up the spirit of sickness, disease, illness, disaster. We plead the blood of Jesus to bind that stuff up and heal God's people. God, we call you to exalt your name, praise your name to magnify you, Heavenly God, for another week that you brought us through and another week that we for us. Glory that we have another opportunity to live out the destiny that you created us for. We have another chance to get it right. Thank you, God, for this thing called grace and mercy. Had it not been for your grace and mercy, where would we give you praise, we glory, honor your name, just God for being significant, so sovereign, so awesome, having grace and mercy wrapped around us. Praise and glory, we thank you, God, for the prayer. Thank you, God, for the privilege. Study your word. We thank you, God, for the internet, the sources, the telephone, the communications allow us to come together as a support group, group against these forces. Find that stuff. Father, we ask you to cover ones that are sick right now. We ask you for a special blessing, that blessing for healing. We ask you, God, to remove infirmity, curses, for your people, Father. Don't let these come in their way and interrupt their schedule for them. Move earth, heavenly spirit of healing in you, God, to just restore them health, finance, everything devil and worms and evil spirits try to take away, God. We ask you for restored people. Until the restoration comes, God, give them the courage, God, and to follow you, God, to keep that clean heart, clean spirit, God, that they can be blessed mightily. We'll cover each and every one of us, Heavenly our children and our children's children, our nieces, our nephews, Heavenly Father. We actually got special coverage over them, cousins, all family members, the demon spirits of pitting, fighting, and 
separating and Heavenly Father, we bind up everything associated with this targeted individual program. We bind up the spirit of electronic torture. We bind up the spirit of job mob, spirit of income black income lynching. Bind up the spirit of blacklisting jobs. Give this expenses, particularly to that population. They have decided to how to let them. They have let them find out that you are a provider. Give them the resources they need, God, to stay healthy church. God, touch the hearts of someone. Give them housing. Those who those who those who shelter, those who need food, those who need finances. You are a God of above all gods. Know that you are the God of impossible, God of miracles. Clear and decree every according to your word that serves you, that honors you. Out here to restore justice, restore God's order on this earth, that they will be covered because they're doing the assignment. Put them here. Word says you will cover. You are covered. Let us, whatever obstacles, demonic traps, let us make sure, God, that we have victory over each and every. Trap God. That's all testing. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. We our elders, my mother, Amy's, Elizabeth. God, I thank you. Church raised us. No, the difference, God, that Satan couldn't have us. Help us in prayer, God, and let us be the nation of Satan. Your wing at all times. Our bloodlines will be protected. Please, the blood of Jesus, bloodline, children, the next generation will be covered. We direct God them, lead them out. They'll know when they're play, make appropriate, make godly decisions. God, we give you praise. We give you glory. Thank you, God, for praying targeted individuals. Praying for those that are not praying. Those that fell apart, those that are disappointed, God, and they may not believe in you anymore, God. We pray for them, God, to Holy Spirit touch their souls. Do a miracle, God, where they can see there is no way without you, God. We praise. Okay, baby. Give you praise, Heavenly Father. We give you thank you, God, for this. Um, those, even myself, I'm trying to get over a cold. Psalms 1, read it here, cover all people that love the most. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and fortress, God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Cover thee with under his wing, trust. Truth shall be thy shield and buckler. <clears throat> thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That means the devil can plot and plot, but it's just not 
hear you. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, in the most high thy habitation. Get in the call here. Could not. Going some call. Okay, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, the most high, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over thee thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he has set his love upon thee, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him, I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him, show him. God receives the word, tells us. Long life, satisfied. As long as we're on the destiny that you put us here for. The opportunity to be able to be able to live towards that destiny you created us for. Listen. All right. So, um, that was our scripture reading, 530, the number here is 530 Code is 6 Okay, so um, tonight we have a great night that we're looking at. I hope um, Lisa and anybody that's here, please correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Um, better put this. It's the Pentateuch. Anybody knows what I'm saying? P-E-N-T-A-T-E-H, the Pentateuch. We studied the uh, Gospels of Jesus Christ, which was Matthew, Mark, Luke. And now we're going to go study the beginning parts of the Bible. 
and that is called the it's the How to pronounce Pentateuch or Pentateuch. 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 The Pentateuch. Hmm. Better than what I was saying. Pentateuch or Pentateuch. Pentateuch. Pentateuch or Pentateuch. Pentateuch. No, Pentateuch or Pentateuch. 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 Okay. So Pentateuch or Pentateuch. Okay. The Pentateuch. This course, this is a new course, a new module. This course features a survey of the Old Testament in the English Bible. Emphasis is placed on the major themes, key scriptures, and major personalities of each book. Special attention is given to the revelation and promise of Christ in each book. What our objective, course objective, identify basic outline of each book, identify the main message or themes of each book, Identify the revelation and promise of Christ in each book. This is an introduction. We're doing an introduction to the Old Testament. We'll take a look. First of all, what is the Pentateuch? The Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible that conservative Bible scholars believe were mostly written by Moses. Even though the books of the Pentateuch themselves do not clearly identify the author, there are many passages that attribute them to Moses as being his words. Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. While there are some verses in the Pentateuch that would appear to have been added by someone later than Moses, for example, Deuteronomy 34, 5-8, which describes the death and burial of Moses, most, if not all, scholars attribute the majority of these books to Moses. Even if Joshua or someone else actually wrote the original manuscripts, anybody that on, you're on, you can hit star six while I'm reading. Star six, that will keep the background noise down. Star six, please. Star six. So even if Joshua or someone else actually wrote the original manuscripts, the teaching and revelation can be traced from God through Moses. That is what is the Pentateuch. Pentateuch, again, is the first five books of the We're starting today. Yes, we're starting. Welcome. Hey, Miriam. Hey, Amy, darling, we're doing the Pentateuch. Are you familiar with the Pentateuch? No. That is the first uh, five books of the Bible, the Old Testament. So we did the Gospels of Jesus Christ. We just finished our final exam, so we're starting a new module 
and um, it, we're going now to the Old Testament. And tonight we're looking at an introduction to Old Testament. Why study the Old Testament? The Bible is incomplete without the Old Testament. Both the Old and New Testaments make up inspired scriptures. The New Testament was never intended to replace the Old Testament. Instead, the New Testament was given to complement the Old Testament to complete the story. The Old Testament prophesied of the coming of Jesus. The New Testament is the sequel to the Old Testament origin, higher of its promises and fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. In other words, the Old Testament was prophesizing that a man named Jesus was going to come on this earth and do all the things that were cited in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Star six, please. Star six. Please hit star six. Um from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, all right, so the Old Testament was prophesying, saying these things were happen, would come to pass, and the Old Testament, and it was a, we were able to see that those things pass. So the Bible is incomplete without the Old Testament. Both the Old and New Testament make up the inspired scriptures. The New Testament was never intended to replace the Old Testament. Instead, the New Testament was given to complement the Old Testament to complete the story. The Old Testament prophesied of the coming of Jesus. The New Testament is the sequel to the Old Testament's origin. It's our, the, our kingship our, of promises and fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. The ministry of Christ is a puzzle without the Old Testament. Jesus said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew fifteen twenty four. In what sense was Jesus the promised Messiah long waited by the Jews? Why did he have to die? We can take a look at Isaiah 9, 6, 7 for an example of how the Old Testament answers the question. However, the historical setting of Christianity is furnished by the Old Testament. Again, the historical setting of Christianity is furnished by the Old Testament. Christianity did not emerge mysteriously out of a vacuum. God had been moving among the people, especially Israel, for many centuries before Christ. Then, when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a, of a woman born under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. Galatians 4.4. To know the Old Testament is to know the religious, geographical, and in part the political setting of the New Testament. The Old Testament was the Bible of Jesus, the apostles, and the New Testament writers. When the apostles spoke or wrote to people, they quoted and referred to Old Testament history and teaching. Key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. The Old Testament especially reveals how God moves in and through the lives of people and the courses of nations. The Old Testament may be called redemptive history, for God actively directs human history for the purpose of redeeming man to himself. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Old Testament to record what would adequately reveal that, re that redemptive process, purpose. 
Therefore, the Old Testament clearly states, one, that God is the sovereign creator of all. Two, man is a sinner in need of salvation. Three, God is holy and he judges sin. Four, God is love and he offers salvation to sinful man. Five, a savior would be born to die for the sins of man. Six, man is saved by faith, not by works. Seven, Israel was sovereignly chosen to be God's channel of the redemptive message to the world. Eight, all history will culminate at the throne of the sovereign Lord. The Old Testament is especially valuable for inspired records about origin. For example, the first man and woman, the first sin committed, and God's first communications with man all came from the Old Testament. The Old Testament is spiritual food for the Christian. Paul referred to the Old Testament when he said, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works, Second uh, Timothy 3.16. The Old Testament reaches the reader in various ways because, one, it brings conviction of sin, Jeremiah chapter 22. Two, it counsels, its counsel shows the way to please God, Exodus chapter 20. Three, its psalms encourage praise and prayer, Psalms chapter 107. Its testimonies inspire the reader to walk in the paths of righteousness, Deuteronomy 31. The historical facts give perspective and direct the reader to learn from the God of all history, Psalms chapter 8. Its prophecies warn, 6, its prophecies warn of danger and plant hope in the hearts of believers, Zechariah chapter 14. Its story of Israel's kingdom gives background for our understanding reign of Christ and his kingship. So the Old Testament goes from God to us. The plan of writing scriptures originated with God. From its very source, the Bible is a supernatural book. It is the revelation of God written by divinely inspired human authors. Through the stages of transmission, communication from one to another, canonization, the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority, and translation, bringing words from one language to another. God has preserved his words. Today, as we hold a copy of the Bible in our hands, we may be fully confident of its trustworthiness, 2 Timothy 3.16. The starting point is divine revelation. Revelation. Revelation is God's communication of truth to man with without which man cannot know God. Before the first Old Testament book was written, God revealed himself to man through conscience, nature, and direct conversation. Romans one eighteen, Genesis three eight eight through nineteen. God also wanted to re- reveal himself in the form of permanent writing so that there would be a clear and fixed record of his revelation for all the succeeding generations. So he commissioned chosen men to write on various subjects. Inspiration, 2 Timothy 3.16. The men who wrote the Bible were inspired by God. 
We have Greek theosistia, meaning God breath. Peter says the authors were undergirded or carried along by the Holy Spirit, Second Peter one twenty one. The author's words are expressed perfectly and infallibly in the truth in the truth God wanted to convey convey to mankind. The original autograph. The thirty nine books of the Old Testament were written over a period of about one thousand years by twenty five to thirty different authors. All but a few were written in Hebrew. The writing material of most of the books was paper, like papyrus. Some may have been written on animal skins. Sheets of papyrus about 10 inches high were attached together to make a long scroll, a long rolled up scroll, easy for reading. The book form did not supplant the roll until the 2nd or 3rd century A.D. The Bible text was written with pen and ink in vertical columns with no space between words, sentences, or paragraphs. Only the consonants of the words were recorded. Vowels were added to copies of the Old Testament around 600 to 800 A.D. to preserve the pronunciation of the Hebrew words. See Jeremiah 36 for an example of how a portion of scriptures, a portion of scriptures originated. Then it was transmission. Transmission is the process by which the Bible manuscripts have been copied through the ages, thus passing the scriptures from one person to another. God allowed each of the original <clears throat> God allowed each of the original Old Testament autographs to disappear from the scene, but not before copies were already in the hands of his people. Handwritten copies of the Hebrew text were made before the time of the printing, 15th century A.D. One of the reasons for God not preserving the original manuscripts may have been man's proneness to worship them. Man would likely doubt the genuineness even if they had been preserved. Then we have canonization. Canonization is the identification of writing as being one of the divinely inspired scriptures. God inspired the writing of each book of the Bible, and he also gave to people the spiritual perception to recognize in each of those books the genuine marks of divine inspiration and authority. With the Holy Spirit's guidance, they knew which writings to reject as well as which genuine writings to accept. The method of knowing genuine writings including the, included the following test. One, it spoke of God and his guidance. Two, it spoke of Christ. Three, it did not contradict other writings. By the time of Christ and the apostles, the Old Testament was a complete set of books that were actually referred to as scriptures. The life in Old Testament times. In Middle Eastern town or city, walls, gates, towers, narrow streets, and busy marketplaces were part of the town or city. Location of a city was preferably on an elevated site such as Jerusalem on Mount Zion. There were fields and grazing plots outside of the city limits. Water supply, wells, cisterns, streams, and, streams, and reservoirs provided a water supply. Houses, the average size of the houses of the common people was one room with roofs constructed of beams overlaid with reeds, bushes, and grass. 
houses had earthen floors and mud brick walls. There were a few windows on the street side. Houses had a fireplace on the floor in the middle of the room. Furnishings, including mats and cushions, storage, lamps, hand mill for grinding grain, cooking, uh, cooking utensils, goatskin bottles, and a broom. This is what the houses. The domestic animals back in those days were dogs. Our dogs have been around a long time. Dogs, donkeys, mules, horses, camels, sheep, and goats were domesticated. The foods, the foods they ate during the Old Testament period, barley and wheat bread, buttermilk, cheese, fruits, olives, figs, grapes, raisins, pomegranates, vegetables, grains, honey, egg, meat, poultry, and fish were eaten, but not regularly. Fish was a major food in the cities around the Sea of Galilee. Generally, the people ate two meals a day, breakfast in the morning, and late dinner about 5 p.m. 90 seconds. The dress. Both men and women wore an inner garment, a tunic, girdle for the tunic, outer garment uh, used as, as a shelter from wind and rain, cold and heat, and a blanket at night and a turban on the head. Sandals, the women only wore longer tunics and larger mantles, vays. 60 seconds. In public, in elaborate ornamentations, earrings, bracelets. Education, children were educated mainly by their parents. They were taught the Hebrew religion and scriptures, reading and writing practical skills, which advanced training for leaders such as in schools of the prophets by tutors. Worship. Worship was by the family in each home. They were also called worship meetings in public areas and temple worship in Jerusalem. Regular participation was by residents. Regular participation was by residents of the vicinity. There was also participation at the annual religious feast by Israelites far and near. Ten seconds. Trades and professions included agriculture, grain, grapes, olives, figs, shepherding, fishing, hunting, pottery, or carpentry, masonry, tent making, merchants, etc. The women tasked. The women tasked during this this time period. They included grinding grain, weaving and making clothes, washing, care of flocks, carrying water cooking, house cleaning, and rearing and educating the children. Children of the home, especially girls, helped with the daily chores. Travel. Travel was usually in groups for the sake of safety. The mode of travel was most often by animals and sometimes by foot. Meals consisted of lunch brought along as the main source. Overnight lodging was at homes and sometimes inns. Um, the following concerning the books listed, okay, let's see, Psalms, Psalms, uh, note the following, Psalms, Psalms is the longest, and some say the first book of the writings, with others saying Job, so the name may have been to present, to represent the entire section, okay, um, note that Hebrew Bibles, at times, Hebrew Bibles have appeared with minor variations 
um, from the uh, from the original from the King James that we use. Okay, um, Protestant Old Testament taught in Okay, pre some uh, some of the pre captivity prophets prophets that we'll read about. We're gonna we'll be reading about Nineveh. Three captivity prophets ministered. In Nineveh, we have Jonah, to Israel, Amos, Hosea, and Joel, to Edom, Obadiah, to Judah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. How to approach the Old Testament without the right approach and clear guideposts, it's easy to get lost when studying the myriads of historical facts of the Old Testament. We must keep in mind the key revealed truths. Keep in mind the key revealed truths which underlie all the details of the Old Testament story. We are on firm ground when we recognize these truths as we study a Bible passage. Some of the main ones are presented below. These are some truths about the Old Testament. God always acts in conformity to his nature. One of the main purposes of the Old Testament is to reveal who God is. He is the eternal spirit, alive and personal. He is the holy, righteous, just, loving, merciful, gracious, and true. He is omnipresent, Psalms 139.7. He's omniscient. Omnipresent means everywhere. Omniscient means powerful, Psalms 147.5. Omnipotent uh, means powerful, right? Omniscient means he's everywhere. Omnipresent means he's everywhere. Omnipotent means he's powerful. That's in Luke 137. He is Immutable, meaning unchangeable, Malachi 3.6. All of these divine attributes are absolutely perfect. God never acts contrary to his manifold nature. In our human limitations, we may not always understand his, his workings, and we may even ask such questions as, why did a loving God permit the ravages of war? In the Old Testament times, by faith we must see God as the never-changing one who is holy, but who always acts in love, one who is loving but never violates his holiness. There's absolutely no alternative to this approach. Israel was God's divinely called and favored nation. Deuteronomy 10:14:17 tells us, Oh, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord thy God, the earth also with all that therein is, only only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them. He told after chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods, and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which the great God, a mighty, which is regarded not persons, nor take his reward. 
All history is in God's sovereign control. There are no accidents in world history. God directs or permits the course of events in a person's or nation's career according to his sovereign and perfect will. For example, he granted Israel's demand for kingly rulership and in righteous judgment he sent the Babylonian conqueror. In both diverse actions he was sovereign and in both he revealed his own nature as well as man's. Whenever you have unanswered questions about the Old Testament history, such as why, rest confidently in the truth that God is Lord of all history, in whose will every event fulfill his perfect purposes. God wanted to use Israel as his channel of communication to the rest of the world. God has always used people to communicate to others the message of salvation. In New Testament times, he started with a nucleus of believers in Jerusalem to whom Christ gave the commission. You shall be witness both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth, Acts 1.18. The same principle of believers reaching out to unbelievers applies today. Back in the Old Testament times, God wanted Israel. God wanted Israel to enjoy the fullest blessings of fellowship with him in, in this life and thus be a living witness of this to the nations around them. Israel for the most part failed God's purposes during the fifteen hundred years of its Old Testament history. That is one reason why relatively few stories of evangelistic outreach to foreign nations appear in the Bible text. Redemption is the key subject of the Old Testament revelation. There are other vital ingredients in the story of the Old Testament, such as the creation account. From the time of Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned and broke fellowship with God, to the last words of Malachi, the message centered on how sinful man can be redeemed and reconciled to God. The Old Testament makes it very clear that God seeks to save all lost sinners, not only Israelites, another clear redemptive truth about the Old Testament is that man is saved by faith, not works. Abraham was an example. Genesis 15.6, Romans 4.1. Because redemption is the key of the Old Testament, each of the 39 books contributes measurably to this theme of redemption. The Old Testament constantly points towards points forward to the coming of Savior and King. Redemption is the key subject of the Old Testament. Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, is the Redeemer of the world. Therefore, many Old Testament passages point to Christ. These prophecies solely of a glorious future for Israel as a nation under Christ's rule or point to the blessings of salvation to all who believe in the coming Savior. Isaiah 53 is a classic messianic prophecy of Christ's substitutionary death for sinners. Old Testament references to the person and work of Christ often appear in the form of type and symbol, such as the Levitical offerings, not necessarily in direct predictive language. Christ was, according to the flesh, through Mary, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the promised seed and and higher to David's throne, Matthew 1, 1, Luke 1, 32, Galatians 3, 16. Miracles in the Old Testament times were one of God's way to reveal himself. 
Jesus performed miracles during his earthly ministry to vindicate his claim to being the Christ, the Son of God, with the ultimate purpose that people might be saved through faith in him. John twenty thirty. Since the creation of man, a common purpose of all biblical miracles has been to manifest the nature of the Lord of heaven as he has been moving among people on earth. Here is a progression of revelation in the Bible. The most obvious test of progression in the Bible is to compare the first book, Genesis, and the last book, Revelation. Genesis records origins and God's first words to man. Revelation prophesied end times and showed Christ enthroned forever as King of kings and Lord of lords. What happened in the intervening years, particularly up to the close of the first century A.D., is the progressive story of how God was revealing more and more of himself and his redemptive work to man. For example, in the Garden of Eden, God first demonstrated his authority over Satan and announced the coming of Christ as the seed of the woman Eve, who would ultimately deal Satan the death blow. It shall bruise thy head. Genesis 3.15 With Noah, he established a covenant guaranteeing protection of the earth from any future and universal food, Genesis 9.9. To Abraham, he promised blessings for the new nation, Israel, which he would make, Genesis 12.2. Through Moses, he instructed his people how to live pleasing to him, Exodus 20. Through the prophets, he foretold in detail Christ's birth and ministry, Isaiah 9.6. John the Baptist, he announced the inauguration of Christ's public ministry, John 1, 6. To the apostles and New Testament writers, he revealed the full and deep truths of the new life in Christ, Ephesians chapter 1. End-time visions which he gave to John at Patmos were of Satan cast into the lake of fire and brimstone forever, Revelation 20.10 and of Christ on the throne in the New Jerusalem, saying, It is done, Revelations 21.6. The Old Testament is God's voice to us today. If we discard a message only because it is ancient, we would reject the New Testament as well. God's book is timeless in its application. That is why the Apostle Paul, writing to Timothy, asserted dogmatically that all scripture is inspired and profitable for training the man of God, 2 Timothy 3.16. In the same context, Paul has reminded Timothy that it was the sacred writings which had given Timothy the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Lessons derived from passages in the Old Testament speak to us concerning the need for a Savior. The Old Testament points to Jesus Christ. Suggested reading in the New Testament, Galatians 3 and 4 and Matthew 5 and 7. Tonight we are looking at the Pentateuch. And um, that was our introduction. You have a little tape here to go into the no Pentateuch. One. Oh, here's a couple. Fine. Good. No one else. What if you meet Moses? He asks you, you ever read my book all the way through? 
I often think, you know, that uh, it's very wise for all, uh, every Christian to sure that they've read the whole Bible through. Imagine how it would be if you met Obadiah or uh, Habakkuk. And he said to you, how did you enjoy my book? Was it any blessing to you? Won't it be embarrassing to have to keep changing the subject throughout all eternity? No, this book is given to us to read. And I hope, I realize I rather sprang it on you this morning, the idea of of reading Genesis all the way through in one sitting. I'm glad uh, a couple of you did. But the rest of you do it this week, will you? This is a great book, tremendous book. And tonight we're going to begin right at the very first of the Bible and go through the entire book again, not tonight. I mean, we start with Genesis tonight. But we are going to go through the entire Bible. It may take us a year or more. But on uh, Sunday evenings, we'll take each book in order as it goes through. Some of the smaller books, we'll combine them together. But... uh, We'll go through the whole of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and uh, look at it in its setting and its relationship. We've already done this in a great panoramic view, which I feel uh, is one of the most helpful ways to understand and see the divine pattern of of, uh, Revelation, one of the most tremendous unanswerable truth. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye. The divine pattern that runs through the Bible. How could it be, if it is not from God, that a book as diverse in its authorship as this, written under the most uh, uh, diverse conditions, could have such a remarkable pattern of truth, unless it comes from one divine author? Now tonight we want to begin with Genesis. And uh, this is the book which, obviously, is the book of beginnings. I think sometimes we're so familiar with this book, I mean the whole Bible, as well as the book of Genesis, that we scarcely think of what an ancient book this is. There is a a Greek uh, philosopher and teacher and scholar who lived... uh, Uh, some 300 years before Christ, named Herodotus. And Herodotus is called the father of history because he is the first writer to ever record much of history whose writings have been preserved to us. And everyone who's studied ancient history knows something of the writings of Herodotus. But the interesting thing about the Bible is that Moses, who... Uh, wrote the first five books of our Bible, had finished his books and was in his grave a thousand years before Herodotus ever was born. And that's how ancient this book is. It takes us back into the very dawn of human history. And yet as we read it, it's as up-to-date as tomorrow morning's newspaper. That again is a mark of the, uh, of the divine of Flatus behind this book the inspiration of the book. Uh, And uh, the Bible adds so much of color and life about it in these revelations of early days in human life. 
Any of you that have studied archaeology know that these uh, cylinders and slabs and, and potsherds from the past give us just the briefest glimpse of the most of the barest facts of life in these ancient lands. But there's little of human interest about them. There's no color. There's no life. There's no flesh. But when you open the pages of the book of Genesis, you discover here that these men come alive. Abraham is as well known to us as some of our more distant relatives, isn't he? And uh, uh, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and some of the others are familiar household names to us. We feel like uh, as somebody we knew back in the place we used to live at. They're as close to us as that. Because this book is so marvelously preserved for us. The color and the depth and the flesh and the tone of life back in these days. Now, it's not only an, a history. Obviously, it would have little significance to it if it were only that. It would be the, probably the most important history in all the world if that's all it were. But the book of Genesis is a book with a tremendous message. And the message of this book can be declared in one statement. It reveals to us the inadequacy of man without God. That's the whole purpose of the book. And as such, it strikes the keynote of all the subsequent revelation of God. It reveals to us that man can never be complete without God. That he can never fulfill or discover the true meaning of his life without an, a, 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 a personal, genuine relationship with an indwelling God. Now, this inadequacy is revealed to us in three realms, realms in which each of us lives. First of all, it's revealed in the realm of natural relationships. That is, uh, the realm of what we call the natural sciences, uh, cosmogony, study of the universe and its makeup and origin, biology, the study of life itself, geology, the earth, and all the manifold aspects of science that we know so we at least think we know so much of today. These are the realms of natural relationships. Our, uh, uh, our contact with the physical world around about us. And then the second area is the realm of human relationships. This takes in what we call today sociology and psychology, and psychiatry, and uh, all the other uh, sites. Uh, that are made so much of today. And then finally, the realm of spiritual relationships, theology, spiriology, philosophy, and these matters. And in all three of these vital areas in which all of us are concerned, the, the book of Genesis reveals that man, apart from God, is totally inadequate. That's its one message, sounding through the book, just like the knell of a, of a bell all the way through. Now, let me show you what I mean. The first two chapters are, are largely concerned with the world of nature. This book opens with a recognition of the greatest material fact in our life today. The fact that we live in a universe. We become aware of that. Step out under the stars at night and look up uh, and uh, even the most ignorant of us wonders what in the world is out there. Flaming stars, brilliant lights in the heavens. And uh, we wonder at the movement of the heavenly body. Man is 
stood and gazed in awe and wonderment at this sight for centuries. I'm here. I'm just playing a tape on the old, um, a little bit about the uh, Old Testament. 300,000 light years across in our own galaxy. And that that galaxy is just the uh, home base for us in the universe. That first base is way on out further, and third base, second base, clear on out farther. And they're in this great ball game of the universe, there are over billion of bases out there, galaxies like ours. And uh, our minds begin to blow a fuse when we start thinking like this. But the scripture opens with that. It begins right on that note. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and man. That's the story of the beginning of, uh, uh, of Genesis. That uh, we're in a universe which is ma- mainly mystery to us. We know very little about it. And in any direction that we go, we come to the place where soon we can go no further. I was talking with a nuclear physicist the other day. And he was telling me something of the complexity of the makeup of the nucleus of the atom. He says it's become so, so astronomically complex that we simply cannot begin to grasp all that we're discovering about the simplest elements of matter. And uh, it's right on this point that the Bible begins. Because it... it uh, uh, begins with the answers to the question which the scientists cannot answer. Where did we come from? Who made it? Why are we here? What is it that keeps the universe going? Science has not yet found any answers to any of those questions. And uh, this... I hope somebody told me it's coming in really broken up. How do these questions... It tells us the only answer that fits. It reveals to us. Is this breaking up? Is this coming up? Universal roundabout. It's supposed to be of our own nature. Can you guys hear this? I want to learn about the spirit life. The key to all life is spiritual. But spiritual. That's why we never can know ourselves or God or the universe by studying nature. We never understand it. Ultimately, we run up against... Lisa, were you telling me you can't hear it? Amy? Ann? Oh, boy. Somebody, I guess guess that means you couldn't hear it. (laughs) Ay, ay, ay. And it's such a good tape. Who's this? Jeff? He wrote. Jeff's to bed. I just want to know if we're able to hear it. Oh, I got four. Jeff, it's coming in loud and clear on my end. Okay, good. It's coming in loud. Somebody wrote in on TalkShoe that it's breaking up really bad. Let me see where my issue. Thank you, Jeff. I needed to see that. Um, and he was just talking about the spirit realm, so you know I want to hear that. Uh,
talk to. Let's see what phone I'm calling in. Lisa, can you hear it? Yeah. Hi. Uh, Lisa. Yeah, I'm here. Oh, you can hear? Is it coming in okay? Yes, fine. Okay, darling. All right. We're praying for you. Good. You don't sound too good. This was part of the the, uh, lesson. You know, I just read the lessons and they had a tape. I said, oh, thank you, Lord. I can give my voice a break. He's getting ready to go into, remember, we're studying what is called the Pentateuch. And that is the uh, beginning chapters of the Bible. We just did the Gospels of Christ, the New Testament. So now we're going to see where all of the laws come from. And that is the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. And the, you know, the scholars believe that these first five books were written by, you know, Moses. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, hear a lot of different uh, perspectives. This is a professor that's part of my, that's part of this. We're doing an introduction uh, to the Old Testament tonight. Here we go. Of nations, of galaxies like ours, and uh, our minds begin to blow a fuse when we start thinking like this. But the picture opens with that. It begins right on that note. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and man. That's the story of the beginning of uh, of Genesis. That uh, we're in a universe which is mainly mystery to us. We know very little about it. And in any direction that we go, we come to the place where soon we can go no further. I was talking with a nuclear physicist the other day, and he was telling me something of the complexity of the makeup of the nucleus of the atom. He says it's become so, so astronomically complex that we simply cannot begin to grasp all that we're discovering about the simplest elements of matter. And uh, it's right on this point that the Bible begins. Because it it uh, uh, begins with the answers to the questions which the scientists cannot answer. Where did we come from? Who made it? Why are we here? What is it that keeps the universe going? Science has not yet found any answers to any of those questions. And uh, yet this study of the universe is the theme of science today. Now to these questions, Genesis supplies an answer. It tells us the only answer that fits. It reveals to us that the key to human life, including the material universe around about us, plus the mystery of our own nature, was that invisible realm of spirit life that we know very little about. The key to all life is spiritual. Not physical, not material, but physical, but spiritual. That's why we never can know ourselves or God or the universe by studying nature. We never understand it. Ultimately, we run up against a closed door. It becomes so complex we cannot grasp it. Because the key, the Bible tells us, is in the spiritual realm. And when we take this book and open it up, we discover we're moving past all the discoveries of science today 
into a realm to which science has not yet come, where we have answers to these problems and these questions. It was no less a person than, than uh, Albert Einstein who put his finger squarely upon the inadequacies of science when he said, science is like reading a, a mystery novel. Did you go down to the corner drugstore and you buy a, a dime store, a, a dime novel? Of course, it costs 50 cents now. And you take it home and uh, go to bed at night and everybody else has left the house and it's dark. And you get in bed and turn on the light and prop yourself up with pillows and start in reading. And in the first chapter, there are two or three murders, two or three bodies lying around. And the whole focus of this story begins to center on who done it. And as you read on, you get some clues. And uh, in about the third chapter, you've decided that it was the butler. And as you go on, more and more, the finger of guilt points at the butler. And as you, but as you read on, you at last come to the last chapter in which suddenly all the previous evidence is upset and it turns out that it wasn't the butler at all. It was the little old lady in tennis shoes that lives on the third floor. She did it. Now, Einstein says that's what science is like. It's always struggling to find out something with a few clues here and a few clues there. But it never gets an answer. And then suddenly comes, something comes along that throws it all off. And we've been living through a time like that. So that all the previous answers are of no value at all. Now, the interesting thing about this book is it starts right where science leads off. It gives answers right from the start. Answers addressed to faith, admittedly, but never faith that is a violation of human reason. But it's faith. Science is always facing the past. Genesis begins where science is trying to come. And if we look at it that way, we'll see that there's no essential conflict here at all. Because here's a book that is simply dealing with matters that science has not yet wrestled with and cannot wrestle with. The key to the mystery of human life. Now in chapters 3 to 6, you get the realm of human relationships. Well, here we have the entrance of man into the, into the picture. And uh, this book reveals that the basic unit of society is the family. And for... 10,000, 20,000 years of human history, there has been absolutely no variation from that pattern. The basic element of human life today is still the family. And when a society begins to forget that fact and destroy family life, the nation, the foundations of the nation begin to crumble. Because a nation is nothing more than the extension of the family. That's all. The nations of the world are simply great family groups. Weren't we so aware that on the night that Kennedy, uh, President Kennedy was assassinated? There never was a time, I think, when the whole American nation felt so like a family as when President Kennedy lay in death. We were all one people. And a nation is nothing more than a gigantic family. But inside that is the basic unity of society revealed here in the scripture, the family, uh, the single individual family, and when that crumbles, 
the nation begins to fall. Now, this, these chapters also reveal the failure of man in this relationship, because man tries to be man without God. And the result, of course, is the introduction of the principle of sin, which is nothing more than the monkey wrench that's been thrown into the human machinery that makes us behave the way we do. When you read the account here, you see how Cain refused God and became a murderer and went out to found a civilization that ended in apostasy and the flood. And when Lot tried to move away from God and get away from the influence of God in his life, he wrecked his family as a result. And the story uh, is given again and again in the pages of this book. And though we live, uh, who can tell how many thousands of years after these events, it's the same story today. It's every generation has been repeating the same cycle. We see it today all around us. Uh, in our nation with lovely homes and new cars and everything, but riddled with strife and violence and evil, almost unmentionable more than it's ever been before, an increasing crime wave and broken homes on every side. All a result and all a testimony to man's failure to live even on the human relationship level apart from God. And then on the last part of the book, which is one great section, beginning with chapter 6, middle of chapter 6 down through chapter 50, you have the realm of spiritual relationships. That's why it's the largest part of this book, because that's the most important part of man, his spirit and his relationship to God. And this is the story of just five men, that's all. And if you remember the lives of these five men and what they mean, you will have most of Genesis right in the palm of your hand, five fingers. There is Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, those five men. And Genesis reveals, through the story of these five men, what it is that man is seeking after all the time. You know what it is? We think that we're seeking after things. But we know after we get them that that isn't what we wanted after all. And uh, all the restlessness and the rush of the age in which we live can be focused, can be seen to be focusing or attempting to focus upon three things that man is looking for. For righteousness, that is the sense of being right. This is why we're always justifying ourselves. Whenever anybody accuses us, what accuses you of something, what do you do? You start justifying yourself. You want to be right. And man is forever seeking rightness, righteousness. The second is peace. He wants a sense of, of uh, well-being inside. Peace. How often we see it in our newspapers, how much we talk about it, how often the word is, is flung at us in these days of modern communication, and ever seeking peace. The third thing is joy. He wants a sense of gladness, of happiness out of life. And those three things are what life, uh, are, are the goals, the, the unseen, almost unconscious goals of life, righteousness, peace. Joy. Where are they found? Romans 14 says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. 
Only God can give men these things. And this is the story of this book. Now it reveals how man who did not believe God or obey God sought these things in vain. Jacob, you know, for a time refuses to obey God and insists on doing things on his own and goes out and becomes a wanderer and the hired servant of his uncle. And he's not only a deceiver, but he ends up being deceived. Life falls apart at the same point. Even Abraham falters occasionally, goes down to Egypt, and falls into lying and adultery, and when he does, again, life falls apart for him. But if this book, Genesis, reveals the inadequacy of man without God, it also reveals the adequacy of man with God. And that's the great message. In natural relationships, you see that man with God is a sovereign, is the sovereign of nature. Oh, I wish I would have known Adam back in the days before his fall. What a character he must have been. What tremendous power, what knowledge he must have had of the secrets of nature. When we look at the New Testament and read of the miracles of the Lord Jesus, walking upon the water, changing the water to wine, uh, some, uh, stilling the storm with a word, we, we say to ourselves, that's God. But the New Testament says, no, that isn't God. That's man. That's man. That was what man was intended to be, the sovereign of nature, the king of the world. And uh, you find it reflected in the eighth psalm. David says as he looks into the heavens, what is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou hast visited him? And then he answers his question, thou hast made him to have dominion over all things. I was put all things under his feet. And you only see that in Jesus. That's why the book, writer of Hebrews says, We do not yet see all things subjected to him, but we see Jesus, the one who as man is the fulfillment of God's intention for man to be sovereign of the earth. And in the garden, before Adam fell, you see him as the Lord of creation. He knew its mystery. He controlled its activity, and uh, man cannot do that any longer today. We have the urge to do it, but we no longer can control it. In the realm of human relationships, the book of Genesis reveals that man with God is seen as living in peace with, in harmony with other men. One of the most beautiful stories in this book is to see Abraham dwelling under the oaks at Mamre, and the Canaanites all around about him, the men who were to be his enemies, and who for many years had been his enemies. But God so worked in the life of that man, Abraham, that even his enemies were made to be at peace with him. And the story of Abraham closes with his, uh, the Canaanite tribes coming to him and saying to him, Thou art a prince among us. So that is fulfilled what God says elsewhere, that if a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. This is the key. This is the secret to life in all its relationships, is what he's saying. And then, of course, in the spiritual relationships, Genesis declares that man in fellowship with God begins to know supreme happiness and the righteousness and the peace and the joy that men always crave only as he discovers 
that the indwelling God is the answer to all his needs. Now you get this in the story of these five men, and let me quickly give you these. Noah is a picture to us of regeneration. Noah was a man who went through death in a picture. He was on both sides of the flood. He was preserved in the ark through the waters of judgment, through the waters of death, to come out into a new world, into a new life. The, uh, the imaginative writers of our day are always trying to write a book that would depict what would happen after the atomic holocaust completely wipes life off the face of the earth. And what it would be like for a new couple to start out or, uh, in, in a world again. And yet, none of them ever seem to realize that that's exactly what's happened in the story of the flood and Noah. And none have ever caught the romance of that man and his family starting out in a new earth. But there's a picture of regeneration. The beginning of life for the Christian is when we pass from death into life, just as Noah did in the flood. Then comes Abraham. And what does Abraham teach us? Justification by faith. Here's a man who lived by faith. Everything that he did was given to him, not by any merit of his own, not by any effort of his own. But as God led him along, and Abraham stepped out upon the promise, he found that God's promise was true. Eight times that man's faith was tremendously tried. And if you're ever in a trial of faith, read the life of Abraham, and you'll find one of the... the evidences the same circumstances that you're going through in his life. But Abraham teaches us what it means to be justified, to be the friend of God by faith. Then comes uh, 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 Isaac. And Isaac is a beautiful picture of sonship, what it means to be a son of God. If there ever was a boy that was spoiled, pampered, petted, loved by his father, it was Isaac. He was the son, preeminently so. And uh, as you see the glimpse that the book of Genesis gives us of this man, you see what it means to be the darling of a father's heart. And I think there's no message more needed in this day than that which is so beautifully exemplified in Isaac, how God looks at us and he calls us the darling of his heart. Now we are the sons of God, John said does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we, are, we shall be like him. And then follows the story of Jacob. And Jacob was the rascal, the schemer, the man who, who thought he could live on his own, by his own wits, by his own efforts, who went out trying to deceive everybody and ended up being deceived. But Jacob is a beautiful picture again of sanctification that marvelous work of the Spirit of God by which we in our folly and our foolishness, attempting to live life in the energy of the flesh, are led into the very situations which drive us into the corner where at last, as Jacob wrestled with an angel, we discover God speaking to us. And we give up. We give up. And when we give up, we begin to live. That's what Jacob thought. When he gave up, and at the brook of Peniel, and Esau was waiting there with a, a great uh, band of armed men ready to take Jacob's life. And he wrestled with the angel of God at the book of Peniel. It was there that God broke Jacob. And as a broken man, limping the rest of his life, 
he became Israel, a prince with God. What a lesson this is. Some of us are going through this very experience right now. What an encouragement to us. And the last picture is Joseph. Glorification. The man who loved the, of his father and mistreated by his brethren, living through this earthly relationship, is suddenly lifted from the darkness of the prison house into the glory of a throne. And ruled as the first, uh, as the second person in the kingdom. Now this is the picture for us of the of the truth of the believer. Is what do we look forward to as death comes upon us? Isn't it that we are translated suddenly out of the darkness of this earthly existence, the prison house in which we've lived our year, suddenly into the very throne of God Himself? Now it's all theirs. And it fits the pattern so beautifully. We discover that here is what God intends for the believer. And the method by which man reaches God and appropriates all of this is revealed in this book as the method of faith. As you believe it, it becomes true. Not as you just intellectually give credence to it, but as you step out upon it, as you act upon it, it all becomes true in experience. Now then, the final message of Genesis is simply that God is absolutely necessary for the completeness of life. Without God, you can't understand the world around you. You can't understand yourself or your neighbor, and you can't understand God himself. You'll never have any answers without God. But if you have fallen away or you've excluded God, you've found misery, heartache, darkness, and death, and futility, and emptiness, and boredom, and all these things that are a result of man attempting to live without him. Genesis declares, if you return on the principle of faith in God, you will find health, health, and happiness in every realm of life. God is the secret of human life. That's the first note in the Bible, and it's the last. Shall we bow in prayer? Our Father, we pray that Thou will give us the urge and the motive to give ourselves to the writings before us. How many, how many uh, difficulties and troubles we could avoid? How many heartaches we could uh, pass by if we only knew what You were intended for us to know in this book? May our hearts be open with a readiness to receive and to seek and to search and to find and to know that we are in a universe, not a silent universe, not a mechanical universe, not an empty universe in which there is no echo to our cry, but in a universe owned and possessed by a Father with a Father's heart. And through Jesus Christ, we found that way to that Father's heart. And as we believe this and learn to walk by faith, thou dost fill life for us to the full. We ask this may be our experience in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was uh, an in, uh, insert in the um, my lesson module. So um, let's see. Short, quick quiz. <laughs> 
Uh-oh, we have a, a quiz on uh, what I read. and Why do we need to study the Old Testament? Okay, um, I'd appreciate any uh, participation. But, you know, we try to do this together. Tonight we went over why do we need to study the Old Testament? The Old Testament is invaluable for its inspired record about origins. God's instruction on Christian living are found only in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, no, that's not it. The Old Testament contains the act of conquering, the victory, and the defeat of God's chosen people. Key revelations of God are, be found, are to be found in the Old Testament. The question is, why do we need to study the Old Testament? I'll read the choices again. Why do we need to study the Old Testament is the question. Is it because the Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record about origins? Is it because it's God's instructions on Christian living, uh, which are found only in the Old Testament? Is it because the Old Testament contains the act of conquering the victory and the defeat of God's chosen people? Or is it because key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament? Anybody? Okay, I'm going to say key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. Oh, that was not it. Excuse me. Oh, yes. No answer given. Please go back and submit an answer. I did submit an answer. I submitted God's instructions on Christian living no, not that. The Old Testament contains the act of conquering. No. Key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. No, that, they're saying that's not it. So God's uh, instruction on Christian living are found only in the Old Testament? I, I can't say that. God's instruction on Christian living are found in the Old and the New Testament. And it says only, so that can't be it. Oh, well, this must be it. Um, the Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record oh, about origins. Oh, why do we need women? If it's going to start that, I'll just talk to the professor in the morning. Key revelations of God are to be found. They said it wasn't that. God's instruction on Christian living are found only. Old Testament contains the act of conquering the victory and the defeat of God's chosen people. You know, they're doing something with this this test here. So let's see. And this would have been such a nice quiz after I did all that reading. The key revelation is not taking God's instructions. Taken. The Old Testament. Oh, one or more answers. Oh, one or more answers. Maybe it's more than one. Okay. God's instruction on Christian living are found only in the Old Testament. That's I'm not going to because of only. That can't be it. So that's what I'm. I guess what I'm doing wrong is not putting more than one answer. All right. Key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. All right. I'm going to check that. The Old Testament contains the act of conquering the victory and the defeat of God's chosen people. I'm going to check that. 
and the Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record about origins. Now, I'm che- please check one or more. I was just checking one before. Wait a minute. I checked three, and it still didn't do it. Need to check all of them? Let's try all of them. Nope, it's not all of them. The Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record about origins. I'm going to put that. God's instruction on Christian living out found only in the Old Testament. I can't put that. No, I know that's not true. The Old Testament contains the act of conquering, the victory and the defeat of God's chosen people. I'll leave that out. Key revelations of God would be found in the Old Testament. So I'm putting a marking too. Oh, it's two of them. It was those two. The Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record about origin and key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. Why do we need to study the Old Testament? That is why. Because the Old Testament is valuable for its inspired record about origins and because key revelations of God are to be found in the Old Testament. And for those reasons, we study the um, Old Testament. Like Ann called me. I'm about to. Boy, I tell you, they're sending some steam over here. Okay, so next question. Let's go. Oh, I was going to say, Lord, why are they messing with my my little Bible study like this? Um, Hello? Yeah, Ann, you want me? I'll put you back in. I think I, you okay. got dropped. Okay. All right, All right darling. Okay, we're studying still the uh, Pentateuch, Introduction to the Old Testament. What are ways the Old Testament can reach its readers? And what are ways the Old Testament can reach its readers? And please check one of what are the ways what are ways the Old Testament can reach its readers? Choice one. The Old Testament story of Israel's kingdom gives an exact picture of what will happen during the millennial reign of Jesus. <laughs> what are ways the Old Testament The Old Testament story of Israel's kingdom gives an exact picture of what will happen during the millennial reign of Jesus. That doesn't answer. Well, the question is, what are ways the Old Testament can reach its readers? Oh, well, true, the Old Testament story of Israel's kingdom is an exact picture of what will happen during the millennial reign of Christ. So, yeah, well, that's a way it can reach the readers by teaching about that. All right. Written in the Old Testament are testimonies that inspire the reader to walk in paths of righteousness. Second that for sure. The Old Testament encourages praise and prayer. Second that. The prophecies in the Old Testament serve as a dangerous warning, thus totally leading the reader to fear and believe in God. Okay, I did pick the correct two. The Old Testament encourages praise and prayer. And written in the Old Testament are testimonies that inspire the reader to walk in the path of righteousness. Now 
find just one answer. What is the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority? Again, what is the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority? Translation, transmission, canonization, or no answer? Anybody? Canonization. It's translation. No, canonization. What's that? Canonizations is when they uh, put uh, they when they put the books of the Bible initially through a process to review. Um, ready to. Okay, here it is. Um, The plan of writing scriptures originated with God. From its source, from from its very source, the Bible, it's a supernatural book. It is the revelation of God written by divinely inspired human authors. Through the stages of transmission, communication from one to another, canonization, the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority, and translation, bringing words from one language to another, God has preserved his word. Today, we hold a copy of the Bible in our hands. We may be fully confident of its trustworthiness. So again, canonization is the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority. And that's what it says is canonization. The process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority. What books should, you know, were really scripturally inspired. And to me, the question would be what type of canons did they use? What type of criteria did they use to make that determination? But uh, it was to determine what books of the Bible are of divine authority. Question was, what is the process of determining what books of the Bible are of divine authority? The process for determining what books of the Bible of divine authority is called canonization. Okay. How many books are there in the Old Testament? Somebody, 39, 47, 24, or 66. I think that's easy. If I get it wrong, I'm embarrassed. Anybody? How many books are there in the Old Testament? 39, 47, 24, or 66. Nobody wants to take a guess? Let me see. Talk to you, anybody? Okay, I'm going to take my chance. Jeff said 47. <laughs> Jeff, okay, you say 47. I say 39. 33. 39. 33 wasn't a choice. Jeff, it's 39. 39. How many books are there in the Old Testament? They're 39. Right, because I think there are 
the total amounts of books is 67. I think there's 67 books in the total Bible, so 39 is about halfway through. But the answer is 39. What is it? Oh, there's 66 for the Bible. Thank you. In total. So it's 33? No, 39. 39. In the Old Testament. There are 66 in total. All books in the Old Testament are written with pen and ink, and they were written in sheets of papyrus. True or false? Based on the reading tonight, that is? True. I put true, but it looks like it must be false then. False. All books in the Old Testament were written with pen and ink, and they were written in sheets of papyrus. Jeff said, no pens or ink. True. The Bible text was written with pen and ink, but not all Old Testament books were written in papyrus. Though most of the books were written in papyrus, some books may have been written on animal skin. Okay. Boy, this is going to be a hard one. Rearrange the letters to form the correct word. Blank is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. Here are the letters. B like Victor, E-T-O-L-I-R-A-N-E. Blank is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. B-E-T-O-I-L-R-A-N-E. You have to unscramble that word. Rearrange the letters. Is it some form of salvation? No. Blank is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. The Bible? No, these are the letters. It have to use these letters, Amy. B-E-T-O. L-I-R-A-N-E. You have to unscramble those letters. I'm going to go to the reading in the search. The search. Let's see. I'm going to put Z-E. Oh, is it Revelation? Is that Revelation? Reveal? Conversation is something with a V. I put Control F in the search box because this thing won't let me move forward. So I get it. Um, what is V E T O L I R A N E? This is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. And you have to rearrange those letters. It's like a scrambled word, and you have to come up with the word. Z like Victor, E, Eddie, T, Tommy, O, OK, L, Larry, I, um, it, 
R, Ricky, A, Apple, and Nancy E. I have no idea. I thought of Revelation. Well, what, you said a Z, a Z was in there? No, V like Victor. Blank is God's communication. Oh, that's a tough one. You got it? Oh, I thought you got it, Jeff. (laughs) He can't talk. He's home. I didn't get it either, and it won't let me go to the next question without it. Yeah, I got to get it, guys. Um, This is rearrange the letters to form the correct word. Blank is God's communication of truth to man. Let me go to the lesson and put God's communication and see what comes up. Can you ask Google? Uh, no, no, I'm going to go back to the lesson and put God's communi- or put communication. Because it doesn't give me anything that's not in the lesson. Communication. Communication, let's see. God wanted to use Israel as his channel of communicate communication to the rest of the world. God has always used people to communicate to others the message of salvation. But this word has a V in it. In New Testament times, he started with a nucleus of believers in Jerusalem to whom Christ gave the commission. You shall be witnesses both in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. The same principle of believers reaching out to unbelievers applies today. Back in the Old Testament times, God wanted Israel to enjoy the fullest blessings of fellowship with him in this life and thus being be a living witness of this to the nations of Israel for the most part failed God's purposes during the fifteen hundred years of its Old Testament history, and that is one reason why relatively is it is it relatively few stories of angel- evangelistic is it evangelistic because it has a v in it relatively has a v evangelistic has a v. Outreach to foreign nations appear. The question is, who is that? Let's see. Lisa, you gonna join us? I know you don't. Oh uh, yeah, my, I had to. My phone died on me. Lisa. I had to. Yeah, you, can you hear me? Yes, darling, I hear you. I said my phone died on me. I had to call back. Oh, okay. Listen, this is uh, scram unscramble this word. The, it's a blank is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. These letters are driving us cuckoo. V like Victor, E-T-O-L-I-R-A-N-E. I don't know. I know, and you don't feel well. I can't. No, I really don't. I wish you to pull them brain muscles tonight. Mm-hmm. Let me put it in Google no. like uh, Jeff said. Is God is God still giving men is it revelation? 
Is it Revelation? Let me see. Well, somebody's got some music in the background. Somebody's got TV on, something. Let's see. Is it Revelation? Let's see. Revelation. Let me see this. Revelation is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. I don't know. Let's see. Revelation. Correct. Revelation it is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I put it in Google. Thanks, Jeff. Revelation is the answer. Revelation is God's communication of truth to man. Without it, man cannot know God. Revelation it is. Oh, no, another scramble word. The Greek word blank means God breathed. God breathed. The Greek word, and the letters are O-P, like Paul, E. Edward, T. Tommy, H. House, A. Apple, S. Sam, H. Another H. H. Happy, I. India, E. Eddie, U. Like umbrella, and T. Tom. That's O. P. E. T. H. A. S. H. I. E. U. T. And this word means God breathed. I'm gonna take God breathed. I'll put it in the reading search engine and see what comes up. B R E A T H. Here it is. Okay. The men who wrote the Bible were inspired by God. Greek the off the not Theophilus, but the office. The officitia, meaning God breathed. So it has to be this word. It's the office. Let me see if these letters fit. Yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. These letters fit. Uh, it's, uh, it's a Greek word, and it does mean God breathed. It's called the office. Theophysia, T-H-E-O-P-H-E-U-S-T-I-A, T-H-E-O-P-H-E-U-S-T-I-A. This word, the Greek word meaning God breathed, and that was in the lesson tonight, so we got that. Oh. He's saying it's my word is wrong. Maybe I put quotes or something. I know that's what it is. It's the quotes or the period messing it up. Yes, I knew that was it. Correct. The Greek word, theophistia, means God breathed. The key subject of the Old Testament is, oh, another scrambled word. The key subject of the Old Testament is, go back to the reading and put in key subject. 
Okay, redemption is the key subject of the Old Testament revelation. Redemption. Yes, that should be it. R-E-D-E-M-P-T-I-O-N. The key subject of the Old Testament is redemption. Redemption is correct. Uh, One clear redemptive truth about the Old Testament is that man is saved by faith and works. True or false? Anybody? One clear redemptive truth about the Old Testament is that man is saved by faith and works. True or false? Everybody should be shouting that answer out. False is correct. I know. Your works have nothing to do. The answer is false. One clear redemptive truth about the Old Testament is that man is saved by faith and not by works. Okay, a classic messianic prophecy of Christ's substitutionary death for sinners is found in a classic messianic prophecy of Christ's substitutionary death for sinners is found in Hebrews 10, Matthew 5, Isaiah 53 or Revelation 20. I'm going to go with Matthew 5. And I am um, Wrong. So Revelations twenty maybe. Oof, embarrassing. Wrong again. There can only be two other ones. If it wasn't Revelations or Matthews, it has to be Hebrews or Isaiah. So the answer is Isaiah fifty three. A classic messianic prophecy of Christ's substitutionary death for sinners is found in Isaiah 53. Oh, that's it, guys. Okay. That was a little quick quiz. And um, tonight, let me go over a little bit what we did. We looked into... We looked into the introduction to the Old Testament. We said that the Bible is incomplete without the Old Testament because the Old Testament prophesied of the coming of Jesus and the New Testament is the sequel to the Old Testament origins. Uh, it speaks of our uh, the hair relationship, the kingship relationship we have with God, and the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. The ministry of Christ is a puzzle without the Old Testament because Jesus said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel, Matthew fifteen twenty four. Huh? The historical setting of Christianity is furnished by the Old Testament. Um, the Old Testament teaches us that God is the sovereign creator. Man is a sinner in need of salvation. God is holy and he judges sin. God is love and he offers salvation to sinful man. A savior would be born to die for the sins of man. All of this is taught in the Old Testament. Man is saved by faith, not by works. Israel was sovereignly chosen to be God's channel of the redemptive message to the world. All history will culminate at the throne of the sovereign law. The Old Testament is especially valuable for its inspired record about origin. It talks about the Old Testament reaches the reader in various ways. 
brings conviction of sin. It counsels and shows the way to please God. The Psalms encourage praise and worship. The testimonies inspire the reader to walk in the path of righteousness. Its historical facts give perspective and direct the reader to learn from the God of all history. It prophesies one of danger and plant hope in the hearts of believers. And it is a story of Israel's kingdom give back. Excuse me. Its story of Israel's kingdom gives background for our understanding of the millennial reign of Christ and his kingship. Okay. Um, the starting point is divine revelation. Revelation is God's communication of truth to man, without which man cannot know God. Before the first Old Testament book was written, God revealed himself to man through conscience, nature, and direct conversation. And that effectuated the first book. God also wanted to reveal himself in the form of permanent writing so that there would be a clear and fixed record of his revelation for all the succeeding generations. So he commissioned chosen men to write on various subjects. So we talked a little bit about that, the starting point of divine. Then we looked at life in Old Testament times. We looked at uh, the water supplies, the houses, some of the domestic animals. Um, we looked at how how should we approach the Old Testament. Um, without the right approach and clear guideposts, it's easy to get lost when studying the myriads of historical facts of the Old Testament. So we should keep in mind that they reveal truth which underlie all the details of the Old Testament story. We are on firm ground when we recognize these thr- these truths as we study a Bible passage. Some of the main things God always acts that the Bible, that the Old Testament tells us God always acts in conformity in conformity to his nature. One of the main purposes of the Old Testament is to reveal who God is. He is the eternal spirit, alive and personal. He is holy, righteous, just, loving, merciful, gracious, and true. He is omnipresent, Psalms 139, omniscient, Psalms 147, omnipotent, Luke 137, and immutable, unchangeable, Malachi 3.6. Israel was God's divinely called nation. All history is in God's sovereign control. All history is in God's sovereign control. That's wonderful. God wanted to use Israel, his channel of communication. We learned that redemption is the key subject of the Old Testament revelation. The Old Testament constantly points forward to the coming Savior and King. We learned about miracles in Old Testament times were one of God's ways to reveal himself. We learn that there is progression of revelation in the Bible. Okay. The Old Testament is God's voice to us today. That is um that's that was that's it. That was our lesson for tonight, our little Bible study. 
I'm glad to have each and every one of you here. I'm going to say a little prayer. Anne, you're welcome to pray. Amy, you're welcome to pray. Lisa, you're welcome to pray. Uh, anybody that wants to join in, um, when I get done, you, you're welcome to say a good night prayer. And if even, you know, most importantly, if you have a prayer that can co- encourage the next person, particularly our TI community, then we we want your prayer on tape. You just never know who's listening in, and, and they just may not need it. it you know, may, if I don't reach them, maybe you can reach them. But we're just going to say, Father God, we give you praise and glory. We thank you, God, for edification in your word. We thank you, God, for being able to study the oldest book on the earth, the living Bible, the word of God. God, we thank you. We ask you, God, to continue to use us, to lead us to all truth. Let us get the information and knowledge that will give us pure clarity and understanding, particularly to issues that relate to, like, canonization and, and for us to understand who canon did and what and what happened. But we thank you, God, for the word of God that gives us a clear path. It gives us something, on this, particularly, God, on the spiritual realm, to be covered by the blood of Jesus, God. We thank you, God, that we can learn about sacrificial offerings that were made back in the day to cover for man's sin so that these demons didn't just just kill everybody, I guess, you know, with their wickedness because the people, once you're not under the coverage of Jesus, demons have, you know, have easier access. That's what I'll say. So, God, we thank you for the blood of Jesus that slows them demons down the blood of Jesus that we can cry out to, Lord, that we don't have to counteract sacrificial offerings of children and babies and body parts to demonic statues. We don't have to counteract such by going and cutting a chicken's head and chicken's foot or a sheep or a goat, but we can stand on the blood of Jesus that was on that cross. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you, God, for clarity and understanding from being in this program. And we know that these stories, the Bible stories, are real because the demon spirit of persecution, attack, envy, evilness is rampant across this earth. And that's that same demon spirit that would crucify a godly man out of jealousy. But we just praise you, God, that no matter what trap the devil put out, you brought us through. We thank you, God, for every rescue. Many of us that are here praying tonight, God, we could have been in our grave before our time because of foolishness, our own foolishness and Satan's foolishness to add it off. But, God, you chose to keep us, and we give you praise, God. We give you glory. You didn't have to do it, but you did. And we thank you, God, for the privilege of being able to come together and honor and exalt your name and grow in your word as a family of Christ. So, God, we praise you, we exalt you, we thank you for this lesson tonight. We ask you, God, that it may may just edify us to become better people, to give us better understanding of our Old Testament uh, teachings, our Old Testament uh, uh, chapters. We give you praise, God. We give you glory. And as we approach this new week, I ask you, God, to bless and take care of each and every listener, downloader, participant, May they have a blessed week week ahead of them, Heavenly Father. May they have a blessed year ahead of them, Heavenly Father. 
every plan of Satan, every sabotage plan, every organized stalking plan, every harassment plan, every harassment complaint, discreditation campaign, noise campaign, we bind it up and we decree and declare that that curse will be turned into a blessing. And every curse that these demons have put on these innocent people's lives, we bind it up and we call those curses to be turned into blessings of peace, good health, love, prosperity, and goodwill. And we thank you, God, that you created this community because it is clear that evil will triumph when good men do nothing. So we thank you, God, for everyone in the community of righteousness, despite the program allowing these horrific things, electronic torture, income lynching, stopping people from working, blacklisting them, all kinds of evilness. But we thank you, God, that what the devil meant for bad, you're using for good. We thank you, God, that you're turning things around, that they're not going to be like they used to be that things are coming around, and we thank you, God, that we were able to learn this thing called patience. And that we were able to use this experience and use this time to be a, to be better people. We give you praise, God. We thank you, God, for your sovereignty to be shown in each one of our lives. We thank you, God, for this praying community. And we ask you, God, that it be replicated, triplicated across this earth. Let each person going through something they don't understand. Let them develop their spiritual warfare knowledge to get some clarity and understanding on what's going on in their life. We bind up that spirit of cursing people, doing things to them, disabling public protection offices, putting curses of the secrecy mode, keeping things in quiet while you you, you while you tear somebody's life apart. We bind that demon up in the name of Jesus. We call it null and void. We call exposure to every demon force working against the will of God. We stand on Ephesians 5, 9. Take no part in the works of darkness, rather expose them. God, we thank you for each and every person in this community, this victorious community where people will go from victimization to victors. Every one of them that have worked, Heavenly Father to stop, to expose, to, to, to let that devil know he's a liar from the pit of hell that has effectively worked to counteract that retarded idea that this is just how it is and you're going to be in this program for life. That's a lie from the pit of hell. We bind it up. Good as God is sovereign, this cursed programming will be stopped. And we thank you, God, that you're leading us right on out of it. You're leading us to victory, to glory, to righteousness where demons can't impact us at all. We know that you are a God of completeness, a God of abundance. You know T.I.s are suffering. We ask you, God, to bless them, open up the windows of heaven so that they can do your will in an expert manner with the appropriate resources that they need. Bless them in the name of Jesus. Bless our bloodlines. Bless our children, our children's children, our nieces, our nephews, our cousins. Cover them. Keep the demon forces away from them. We ask you, God, for protection over them from head to toe. 
in the name of Jesus. We ask for our special protection over our elders, our seniors, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for keeping them. We thank you, God, for the gift of longevity. And we ask you, God, to cover them with the blood of Jesus. Cover their heads. Cover their minds. We bind up the demon spirit of induced Alzheimer's. We bind up every demon uh, technology used to wipe away short-term memory. We bind it up in the name of Jesus. And we call exposure to these demonic events. These demonic technologies. God, we pray for Bobby Christina, that she comes out of that induced medical coma, that that family wake up, Lord, and take that child out and govern her parts, Heavenly Father. Don't let these demons get her body parts and steal her money and steal her body parts, too. We bind up that sick, eugenic spirit in the name of Jesus. We bind up the spirit of scientific obstructions. We bind up the spirit of electronic torture. We call for God's grace and mercy, his blessings across this earth, to be used by God's people to counteract each and every one of those demonic programmings. In Jesus' name, this is my prayer. Amen. Amy, Amy or Ann? Amy, Ann? Okay, I'll be on mute, so you have to wait a while until okay. I can get to this phone. I'm playing the same thing, and I I want to put that on the, on on my Facebook. I'm praying for Bobby Christina to come out of this hypnosis trance. That's all she is in, and I'm going to tell you why I know these things. If you can recall the part of MK Ultra, it spoke about part of the, the psychic driving was to induce the, the sleep, not sleep deprivation, but the opposite of sleep. Sleep, they induce sleep, hypnosis, and they kept these people under a trance for months, and they recorded that brainwave of the person would be under that trance. And that was part of the, the, the MK Ultra program that the government has lied about. The MK Ultra main program, main, um, the main program of the programming of MK Ultra consists of one basic thing. Recording what happens of causes and effects of the brain waves if you did certain things. So that was one of the things, the specialties, what they would do to reduce a coma state, mental state on a person, on um, doing what recording of those brain waves the coma state would be on. Let me break that down a little so I get a little clarity, uh, Amy. So that means part of the MK Ultra study, which was a, a criminal study in American history, you can go to um, Wikipedia, anything online, put in MK Ultra. Part of that study, they were doing things to people just to see how they react. Maybe it's yes, they, yes, they was recording. They would do different things, right? And they would record the brain waves of trauma and the state, the mind state you were being, and then they would record their frequency of a hurt. And once they recorded it, they learned that they can send that to different ones. And to support that, those facts, go to Robert Dun- Dr. Robert Duncan's book, 
Project Soul Catchers. He talked about the psychic driving. He talked about one programmer with others, and then all of them linked up to these human computer interfaces, and they are playing on that one brainwave, and they know what brainwave they need that person in. So right now, um, Bobby Christina is in, is into that that um, that hip hip that coma state uh, brainwave state. She's under a, a coma state of a recorded brainwave of a coma state is what I'm saying. Excuse me with the rambling, but I have V2K, and they be trying to stop me from what I'm saying by switching words around so it can seem like I don't know what I'm saying. This is the game they play with me because they know I have the wisdom, and I did my homework for seven years after they attacked me. I had uh, a week, um, two things to I had a. I had two choices with mind control. Learn how I work so they wouldn't drive me insane or let them program me to make me think it's one way or the other. God says, seek for the truth, seek ye, and ye shall find. So I learned the truth. So what I'm saying is, Bobby Christina, brainwaves has been recorded to a coma state, mental state. And, and they're making it look like that girl is really having these seizures and they can induce seizures to you too from recorded seizure waves, brain waves. So everything is done on artificial telepathy, sending certain frequencies of recorded brain waves to that person they targeted. And this is why they call themselves the Illuminati, the Illuminated Ones with the light of knowledge around the world. And they, they feel like nobody else have the secrecy of the technology, then they are gods. So that nobody else besides a targeted individual knows that this girl is under a mind control attack. Her body, her brain has been invaded with a persistent brainwave frequency. And let me just, as I, why I had to pray, I read this ridiculous article and they were talking about her and, you know, how she's still in the hospital. But then they was like, and her mother was a uh, was a crackhead and a marijuana head, you know, her mother. I was like, wait a minute, what? This woman's on death row? Why are you trying to set the stage of drugs through her mother? I said, because no, that's the part of, that's that part. Organs, yep, her 21 But listen, Miriam, listen, that's that part of the technique that you and I know about. The smear campaign, the character assassination of make people look bad so people wouldn't care about their person and lose interest of, of, oh, yeah, they're just another person dying. And that's a part that Alex Jones talked about in his mind state uh, of film. He, he said that they will use these techniques to keep social engineer as a social engineering technique to, to make people become more de- desensitized so when they be killing people, why she should die at 21 years old? Yeah, yeah. So when they start killing people, you want you won't pay it no attention. The devil is a lie. I read right through that. I said this ain't got Uh nothing. In 21 years old. And that's what they did with all the TIs too. Try to act like we was mentally ill because we know about the mind control. It's the same thing. They got only one trump card to lie to other people and hoping like hell they'll believe it and God is taking they, they mercy and grace away from them and the world is waking up. Girl, you got to see Savior's Day. Girl, Minister Farrakhan, Braun, and some, uh, a doctor 
over in Hawaii and broke down the whole eugenic program and told them that it was the Rockefellers and Rothschilds and Henry Kissinger from the 1970s started the eugenic program of HIV and Ebola on black people, girl. And they told it all around the world. Everybody around the world heard it. Minister Farrakhan hooked everybody up on that webcast today. Bro, he revealed everything. He told all of them. He said, you Christians, he said, you Muslims, he said, stop it acting like who is who. He said, if you go work for God, you go work for God, or you might as well act like you ain't doing no work. If you gonna work for Muhammad, you gonna work for Muhammad. Minister Farrakhan looked they but up today, girl. He wasn't playing. He brought in some heavy. He brought some heavy artillery today. He wasn't playing. He he said that how they got Africa and say that European owned Africa now. He broke all that down and saying that if they want to buy anything after the labor, they get they got to. They got to owe them if they exceed over 15% of their own wealth. And they and they and Europe got their 85% in a treasure. And they got it. And if they go over, uh huh, Mr. Farrakhan broke it down, bro. He told everything that Europe, America, and, and Germany is, Britain, Europe, and, and, uh, and America is doing to Africa. No, the people woke it down. Everybody exposed everything they doing, and we working on getting liberated. And he talked. He talked to all the lawyers and the and the judges and everything. Minister Farrakhan so let them know you gonna be on this side or you gonna be on that side. He said it ain't gonna be no more playing on two sides. He said it ain't gonna be the new kingdom ain't coming in from color. It's coming on you being righteous. Right. Minister Farrakhan broke it down so deep. Girl, there were so many people. Girl, watch and see if things don't change. He wasn't playing. He said, I know, Obama, you might want to arrest me. He said, but real people go to jail. I don't care. Minister Farrakhan said, y'all quit getting scared of going to jail because this is what it's going to take. We're going to have to do what we're going to do. Mr. Farrakhan say some people just go out. Don't be afraid of death. He said they they more scared of death than you is. Mm. Mr. Farrakhan brought it so hard. He wasn't playing the dagger or everybody. I, know, I respect him, honey. They they said he had prostate cancer, and honey, he went and got himself some private doctors. Girl, Mr. Farrakhan don't play. He got he got he got international connection. We got Mars. We got you. Do you know we got Mars all over the world? You know that, right? Our Mars is is our Mars. The nation of Islam is all over the world. You do know that, right? Um, uh, yeah. Okay. I'm talking about. I ain't talking about the mother. Um, Mars. He talked to them, too. He told them, he said, about y'all over there killing. He talked to about all of them. He said, y'all Muslims over there killing. He said, that ain't Islam. He said, Honorable Elijah Muhammad already said in the 70s, girl, and back in the days, girl, with 1959, what was going on now, he he fulfilled prophecy, girl. He read it today, what 
Honorable Elijah Muhammad said about what's going on today. And he told Barack Obama, he said, yeah, you're going to go get more than the army to deal with us, to deal with me. He told him straight up because he backed by God because he let it all be known. He wasn't playing. He exposed what's really going on. He told everything. He revealed everything, their whole layout of the depopulation control program. Wow. Minister Farrakhan hit him hard today. I was juiced. I was happy because I know that's what they're doing. And it's out in the world now. now. He told everybody to wake up. He said everybody was dumb. How you going to be dumb? And somebody doing all this to you, and you don't know what's going on around you. Putting all that massive amount of money into into killing people. He said all of that. He mm-hmm. said they spending billions and trillions of dollars. He broke it down. How many CIs? He talked about the military complex. Follow them around, and then you got these ridiculous family members that'll start. You know, why would the government want to follow you? Mm-mm-mm. Well, it's deeper than that. He broke it all down. He talked about them type of people. He talked about just different levels of degrees of ignorance versus what's really going on. Mm-hmm. He went into the level where it's like, uh-uh. Well, it's a lot of people, whoever ain't woke now, you're going to be woke. And he had the people from Ferguson there. He had different people he was he was uh, giving thanks to and appreciation to, and he also gave thanks to a, 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 a brother that was 101, almost 102 years old. Wow, what a blessing. So, you know, the Savior's Day, it was rocking. And Mama Tanetta's funeral is going to be Tuesday. It's, a, it's not called a, a funeral. It's a something else, a passing or something. Well, anyway. Mama Tanetta is Honorable Elijah Muhammad's last wife was left. Oh, his wife what? His last wife. Mama Tanetta, Honorable Elijah Muhammad's wife. Oh, she's still alive? She passed. She recently passed. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, and they have in her service Tuesday. At the, oh, at, in Chicago. Oh, okay. It's going to be a big thing. You will see. You need to look her up. She's powerful. <coughs> Very powerful. Okay. All right. You want to say a prayer and let me turn off the tape and um, then we'll talk a little. And then I got to get to bed. I got to wake up really early. Like, you know, I'm not an early person, but I did tell my nephew I'm getting up early. Oh, you're taking care of your little nephew again. That's very good. You are yeah. the guardian angel. How is the other nephew? <clears throat> we have to keep him in prayer, girl. My mother want to hire investigating and just pull up on that house. Well, you not- know, you pray because, you know, they're using that technology on, yeah. on the family. You know when they go after the mother, somebody in the family, you know they don't just stop and say, oh, I'm going to leave the rest of the family alone. They still be there. Right. And see, people make mistakes and think, oh, this is not real. They love you to think that. 
<laughs> overall, I really. Oh, I think Amy got dropped. I don't know where's the icy on. I just had it. Let me see. I hope. I think Amy got dropped. Uh, hold on. Let's see. You have the icy hot. All the praise for my mom's shoulder. They're doing, they're hitting them with some kind of weapon. But uh, let me see what happened to Amy. Maybe I got dropped. <laughs> Let's see, did I get dropped? Hello, hello. No, it sounds like I'm still here. You're yes, still here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I said, maybe I got dropped. <laughs> hey, Lise, you feel a little better, baby? No, I'm suffering. They uh be spraying some type of debris in my nose. Oh, boy. I don't even know how to explain it. Mm. You don't think it do. it's cold out no. there? You got a cold? No, man. Ariel? Mommy, I'm looking. Yes, I'm here. Okay, I'm ready to pray. The devil is a lot trying to kick me off the phone. We right. telling the we know that child. What's happening there, child? Creator, we asking you to bring Bobby Bobby Christina up out of the Houston Brown up out of that coma. They really took the child's mother's life. Creator, if there if it's in your will, we asking you to spare Bobby Christina's life and not allow these demons to take that child's wealth because they know that that child mother left her standing without suffering, although her mother is still with her in her heart. Spiritually, created, give the child some strength and to, to also tame these demons and make them take the hand off that child's mind with that electromagnetic hypnosis. Creator, we asking you to give Bobby Christina the strength to to fight up out of this evil spell that's been placed on her mind. Allow these demons to to have mercy upon themselves to know that they being wicked and let that child go free and let her have a normal life and quit hunting her down as a predator and she being a prey. Mighty Creator, we asking you to have mercy upon the Brown and the Houston family, as well as this family coming into this wicked sorcery of entertainment, thinking that they're getting a fair shake on the high standard of life when a lot of people is living these these fairy tales and these fantasies living in the fantasy world, thinking that they are made it in a successful life, whether it's sports, entertainment, or even on the level of being a teacher or a milkman or a bus driver or a person that's struggling that they keep in bound, wanting to keep the people in prison, to keep the prison industrialists, <laughs> which is my son. I pray and ask you 
to touch my own child in the prison, that these demons and uses technology on him after up on his father, taking his life on the streets to the prison. You know all this, what these demons have done to my son's father, how they surgically mutilated him and misused him because his grandfather coached the school using vaccination on his son, grandson, and seeing he was bumping his head on the desk, and these demons waited for his up 13, and I was 13 to see my son, and that his offspring and tried to speak with something the history of his mind control. Creator, we ask you to go in and bust up all that same guy going on throughout the world. Creator, we knew he was the God of this world, but now the devil time is up because we have been through enough. We ask him for the mercy Creator, we are asking you to have mercy on the T.I. suffering and those who have been suffering around the world that don't even know that they are well, none of them can stand, and with all that we have been through, including Annie, give Annie the strength so she can continue to move on after all that Annie has constantly been through, the things that Annie have said, the things I have saw that Annie been through, the things that I have been through, the things that this demon Montranga is doing and this other demon right along with the other tag-along crews or anybody that's a part of using this technology on people. We're asking you, mighty creator, to bring these demons down to their knees. Give all these leaders around the world, and especially Minister Lewis Farrakhan, who's out there on the forefront and just busting up Satan's game and telling it out. Continue to give the minister strength. Give the nation of Islam the strength. Give the Christianity world. Give the Buddhist the Hindu and all the other religions, the people that's of God, give them all strength to come up and fight up against all these demons who think of evil forces, who think they're going to take over this planet and be the rulership of us and Satan. The devil is alive. These demons think they're going to do this to the creator, your planet creator. And we give you the mighty thanks and the blessing, and to know no, no matter what these demons do, no weapon formed against the righteous shall prosper. Even if we shall sit out, these, we will not beg or bow down to these demon forces because these demon forces don't have no place in my heart. 